Hi, this is indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and I'm back with something a little bit different today. I've mentioned in my, well, so far I only have one series on this podcast, and it's the one where I'm reading chapters from my book, Cursebreaker Enchanted. But within that program, I mentioned that there is also an audio version that I did through Google Play, which instead of me reading it, which you know involves a lot of audio editing, this version instead has a synthetic voice or an AI that is narrating it. And I chose a male voice for this. And I think it's pretty good. And I've had some comments because I have it posted in other places. Some people really like it. If you wanted to listen to the entire book, it is the only way you can do that right now. I've only narrated myself up to chapter 10. And I think I'm going to have to re-record some of the chapters before I could release it as an audiobook. And I'm also only one quarter of the way through the book reading it on this podcast and my YouTube channel. So it's going to take me a little while to do that. I'm trying to find a way to record so that I don't need to do as much editing. I tried a different microphone for chapter 10, but it took me four hours to edit it because it recorded all kinds of sounds that the other microphone that I used didn't. And some of them I had to research, how do you fix? So I am also read some advice about microphone placement. So I'm hoping that this time I won't need as much editing. But since I mentioned the AI version of the audiobooks, and since I have actually gone through and edited and transferred all of my books. I have about 20 books published currently. They all take place in the same country. Sarn is in nearly all of them. And they're all available in AI audio. So if audio is something that you love, like I do, it might be something you might want to think about trying. So I thought that maybe I talk a little bit and then I'd give you a sample of like a chapter or two of that AI narrating and then talk a bit more after it just to give you a feel to see is this something you're interested in. And I thought about doing this because I've seen an article that now traditional publishers, the big, I don't know if there's four or five or how many are left, are actually looking at AI audio as a way of getting some of their backlist titles that do not generate enough revenue. They don't justify paying a human narrator to do it, doing it through this AI thing, because it's much more cost effective. It's just going through and making sure that the AI doesn't mispronounce the words. There's a short list of words that it is not, depending on which AI you use, doesn't always get the words right, but you can go in and edit that and fix it pretty easily, much more easily than me trying to go in and figure out why there's this strange whistle when I say certain words on the new microphone that the previous microphone didn't have. That was last week's hurdle. So I thought I would do this in addition to me reading the chapters, like a short intro and then a short discussion after the AI narration would hopefully not involve me talking as much and hopefully not involve as much editing. It also give you a taste of things to see if that's something you might be interested in, especially since AI audio is growing and it's becoming everywhere. The podcasting company that I use to distribute this also offers an option to have an AI read blog posts and narrate it. But there's no way to edit its pronunciation and fix when it says live instead of live, which it does frequently. I don't use that option. I only used it once to try it just to see what would happen, but I didn't publish it because I was horrified that you couldn't edit the pronunciation. There was no way to put in some kind of introduction to let people know, hey, this was narrated by an AI because I'm very big on transparency. That's a really big part of my platform as an independent author. And it has been since the very beginning. I've 
very honest about everything. I would never put out something that was narrated by an AI without explicitly stating it absolutely everywhere that I can. But that's me. I know some people who are not. I've seen posts in author groups of authors posting their AI narrated audiobooks on Audible and distributing them, which is against Amazon's terms of service. And also, I don't think it's right to pass off synthetic voices as human ones. I'm fine with AI's narrating things as long as it's clearly labeled so that listeners can make an educated decision and know, okay, which is human, which is not. The cool thing about using an AI to narrate an audiobook is it is much cheaper to produce. So theoretically, audiobooks should be cheaper. I price audiobooks that I've done with these AI voices exactly the same as the ebook. So they're pretty affordable, I think. The most expensive one is like $4.99 which is a lot less than what I'm paying on Amazon when I buy audiobooks through Audible. I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to play for you a couple of chapters from Curse Breaker Enchanted narrated by this AI voice. His name is Mike and he's a Google voice and he's also a guy. So I happen to like it. Maybe it's because I can't afford to have a human narrated other than myself and narrating it myself is proven to be very challenging. There's a lot of technical considerations involved. I knew there would be, I knew there'd be hurdles that I would have to overcome. And that was the whole part of this journey. And I'm still going to do that. But I also recognize audio is huge. And for a lot of us, myself included, it is the best way to consume stories because we're all very busy. And I get more out of the story when I listen to it versus when I read it on a screen or in print. I said, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to stop talking right now. And I'm going to cut over to the AI narration for Cursebreaker Enchanted will do two chapters, and then I'll be back. Cursebreaker Enchanted by Melinda Kusira Part 1 Betrayed Sarn had a lot of power, but no one would let him use it. That was before a man he'd swore an unbreakable oath to serve betrayed him and left him for dead. Now Sarn's lost with only the clothes on his back and the magic in his veins. But he's not alone. An evil entity has infiltrated the Enchanted Forest, turning its protective power against the people of Shayari, and it's between Sarn and his family. They might be in danger too if this menace reaches the mountain where they live. How will Sarn reach them in time? Chapter 1 Sorry, Sarn said as he collided with someone burlier than he was. The unlucky passerby struck the magical field that always surrounded him and hopefully bounced harmlessly off it. But Sarn couldn't stop and check. If he did, someone might see his green glowing eyes and report him. Magic was illegal, and he had far too much of it running around inside his too tall body. Enough to warrant the death penalty, if anyone in power ever found out. Delve down deep. Delve into the roots of the mountain, urged the magic sharing his skin. Why? Sarn asked his magic without breaking stride. He had to reach his master before the next bell rang or else. Sarn checked the map scrolling across the back of his eyelids, seeking a convenient gap, but saw only a thousand. 909, snapped his magic after performing a quick count of the people icons crowding his head map, which it maintained. Whatever, Sarn shot back. There were way too many people between him and his goal, forcing Sarn to slow down, so he didn't mow down everyone in his path. Why do you want me to go downstairs? My family's down there. Are they in trouble? Fear gripped Sarn as he patted the bodies ahead of him, searching for a way through. 
The Lithurians, his magic said as if the name of that long-vanished race explained anything. But his magic seemed to think it did. Not that again. Sarn shook his head. The Lithurians were a bunch of stone mages who'd carved out a city inside the cone of a mountain, and their statuary fixation complicated his commute. Sarn cursed at a wall of bodies, halting his progress. They funneled through a narrow gap between two giant statues ahead. At least that's what the icons on his map said they were doing. While he waited for the crowd to move, he might as well find out why his magic cared about the builders of this place. Why are you interested in the Lithurians? They've been dead for centuries. You could find out what happened to them, his magic taunted, but it didn't offer a reason for Sarn to care. The Lithurians likely lost their way in the maze they'd left behind and starved to death. But Sarn didn't feel like arguing with his magic anymore, so he kept his theory to himself. He needed to get to work, not search the bowels of the mountain for clues about a legendary race of dead mages. Besides, someone might hear him talk to himself and get the wrong idea. Sarn felt a break in the crowd ahead and squeezed through it, only to walk into another man. Sorry, sorry, Sarn hurriedly apologized, but the crowd still hadn't moved. What was the holdup now? Unnatural, screamed his magic. Sarn ignored it as another gap opened to his left. He slipped through it, but only gained a couple more feet toward his goal. Damn this was taking too long. More grumbling accompanied Sarn. It was likely the same warning again. His magic liked to repeat itself until he gave in to its demands or something distracted it. What do you want me to do? Sarn asked his magic when its grumbling continued. It was a low but insistent drone sawing on his last nerve. Sarn didn't care if the people he squeezed past heard him talk to his magic. He just wanted it to shut up so he could concentrate on locating his master before the next bell rang. I can't just drop everything to find the unnatural thing upsetting you. I have somewhere I have to be. His magic didn't care about the oaths he'd sworn until it had to enforce them, and it would if he didn't hurry. His overactive magical gift pressed against his closed eyes, begging for release. Well, he'd show it who was boss. Sarn pushed his magic down while he felt for a way past the bodies in front of him, but his hands just encountered more people, and none of them were moving, double damn. Unnatural. His magic pulled at him, knocking Sarn off balance. The ground trembled, and 900 people panicked. Okay fine 909, Sarn corrected himself when his magic protested. It didn't like inaccuracies of any sort. Shouts of earthquake finally motivated the crowd to move. They shoved past, jostling Sarn in their haste to exit this tunnel. If this was an earthquake, then he had to go back. I must save. Sarn slammed into one of those damned statues before that fearful thought could complete. Those oversized marble annoyances were everywhere he turned, surrounding him. His cloak caught on one and Sarn tugged it free. Had he wandered into an installation? He must have because stone-cold hands brushed across his burning eyes and the magic fighting to escape his hold, and that power ignited a fierce green blaze inside him. Let us out. His magic pushed against his eyes, opening them as Sarn stumbled into the cold, hard arms of another statue, and they closed around him. A slice of white marble slashed across the emerald glow, wreathing a sea of heads. No. 
Sarn squeezed his eyes closed and tried to slip out of the statue's grasp, but its hand squeezed his arm. No. Sarn had to get away. I must save, that thought cut off as his awareness winnowed away. It shrank down to the stone hand, grabbing his hand as his knees buckled. Where the hell were his damned gloves? Sarn had promised to wear them all the time. Why hadn't he put them on? Let us out, begged his magic as Sarn slid away. His awareness seeped out of his ungloved hand into the statue holding him, then into Mount Eridrun itself, and finally beyond it to the darkness reeling Sarn in, as a dozen voices repeated five unintelligible syllables, Imamai Arator. They hammered a warning into his fading consciousness. Wrong 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 shouted his magic right in his ear as the world blackened and silence fell. But Sarn still didn't know what was so wrong. The ground stilled, calming the crowd. No one saw a statue pivot on its plinth and deposit a shaking young man behind its base. Nor did anyone see a green glow snake down his scarred cheek when his seizure ebbed. Sarn woke up in the corner. Magic blanketed him. Maybe it had protected him from discovery, but he doubted it. How long had he been lying there? Long enough for the mountain to calm down and the crowd too by the sound of it. Just in case it hadn't, Sarn kept his eyes closed to conceal their emerald glow, so he didn't freak out any of the people passing by his hiding spot, and his magic didn't fight him. That was a pleasant change, but it wouldn't last. His magic was contrary by nature, and he was borrowing trouble again. Sarn put those thoughts out of mind and hoped his family was okay. He had no way to know if they weren't. He couldn't go to them, not while the oaths he'd sworn tugged at his mind and changed every thought to what he should do, find his master, a ranger called Nolo. But his family, Sarn sat there torn between his duty and his family as conflicting promises warred within him. May the fates protect his family until he could. Sarn pressed a hand to his aching brow and winced when his head map expanded from a two-dimensional icon-rich line drawing to a three-dimensional wireframe. Like he needed those extra details. They just pointed out how much of the mountain stood between him and his waiting master. Sometimes, his magic was a little too enthusiastic. What just happened? Sarn asked his magic, but it had gone mute again. What a wonderful time for it to stop talking to him. Oh well, he needed to get moving. Sarn felt a high-relief carving of some historical event or other and searched it for a handhold, then hauled all six and a half feet of himself off the floor. He almost fell flat on his face again as information slammed into him, providing the tonnage, context and type of stone he just touched. Damn magic, couldn't it wait until he was steadier before drowning him in so many unnecessary details? Sarn gritted his teeth and sifted through that information, seeking what had disturbed his magic until a sharp ache cut across his brow, forcing him to stop. He stuffed his hands into his pockets despite the protests from his magic, and information quit pummeling him. Relieved, Sarn pushed into the growing throng, letting it sweep him into its flow. He didn't know what had just happened, nor did he have time to figure that out now. His master's green icon blinked on his head map, reminding Sarn of his promise. Unfortunately, the guy kept moving. Where the hell was Nolo going? Sarn left the crowd behind and slipped into a side passage and hooked a right off the north-south transept. The sudden turn screwed with his balance, and he wavered, until the visuals projected onto the backs of his eyelids stabilized. But in his haste, Sarn struck something hard, 
a sculpture perhaps judging by the shape of the wireframed heap to his left. The Lithurians had folded rock to imitate paper's crisp folds and silk's graceful drape while sculpting their vertical city. Then they'd wrapped five balconies around said mountain fortress, adding extra space for their statuary obsession and more obstacles to dodge. An arrow flashed on his map and Sarn turned toward it, then had to avoid another statue. That arrow now pointed to a balustrade and beyond it to the meadow spreading out from Mount Eredren's feet. Ah, so his master had business in the enchanted forest tonight. Maybe the problem his magic had complained about was out there. But intercepting that man had just become harder. Sarn bypassed a column supporting the veranda above and stepped over a raised vegetable patch with care. Its young shoots might become part of his dinner one day. Footsteps, out of sync with his quiet tread, accompanied a new icon flaring on his map. Uh-oh, someone was coming this way. Had that someone followed him? Why would anyone follow him? Sarn couldn't think of a reason, other than the obvious. Someone must have seen his eyes. Tonight just got better and better. Sarn cursed his ill luck. Well, he needed to go down. Sarn climbed onto the coping and jumped before anything else went wrong tonight. Thank the Lithurians, their balconies overlapped each other, and they widened as they descended. Otherwise, he'd be in serious trouble. Magic sheathed Sarn in green light as it reached for the balcony below, turning it malleable. After falling several stories, Sarn landed in a crouch on a stone bench. His magic forced the bench under his boots to flex and absorb the energy from his fall. The mountain liked when he used his magic. What a scary thought that was. It kept popping into his head at the oddest moments. But that couldn't be right. Why would an inanimate pile of rocks care if he used his magic or not? It wouldn't so he was just being silly, and worse, he was wasting time. Sarn scanned the balcony, found no one there, and relaxed a little. Since he was alone, he opened his eyes, and their glow dyed the balcony and its statuary green. Sarn blinked until his map minimized, and the flagstones lost their polygonal afterimage. After a brief internal struggle, his map parked itself in his peripheral vision, but it continued to update itself with the best route to his master. At its prompting, Sarn turned to face the balustrade again. The wind tugged at his cloak as it whispered five syllables, Emamai orator. It repeated them three times, then faded out. Sarn hopped off the bench. What had the wind just said? Nothing good, he'd bet. Beyond the balustrade, a red orb bled onto the serrated horizon, and the metallic stench of blood wrenched his guts. Darkness rippled through the enchanted forest, where a silent army of trees waited for something or someone. Their eyeless stare focused on Sarn, making his skin crawl and his magic circle him, alert for trouble. Thousands of branches waved in the lowering darkness, beckoning him onward. Or was that a trick of the wind? Sarn backed away from the balustrade and strayed into trouble. A warning sounded in his head, but it was too late. Trouble had already found Sarn. Chapter 2 A densely muscled arm slipped around his neck, and its mate secured itself around his waist. The two limbs crushed Sarn against a barrel chest. Where had that guy come from? Sarn cursed himself for not paying more attention to the corridor behind him. What the hell do you think you're doing? Grigori enunciated each word as if he spoke to an idiot. 
but Sarn couldn't drag in enough air to reply. His sight dimmed, and his knees jellied as he struggled to regain his footing. Before everything blackened, Grigori let go. Sweet air tinged with sweat and a hint of body odor flowed in as the darkness rolled back, releasing Sarn. Thank fate for that. Sarn blinked at the older and much stronger ranger as he rubbed his neck. He couldn't wrap his mind around what had just happened. The rangers played rough but not like this. Unless this was a lesson of some sort, but what was the lesson? Oh stop it. I didn't squeeze you that hard, and besides you aren't that fragile. Grigori rolled his eyes heavenward. Yeah right, but Sarn bit his lip to keep his acerbic comments to himself. He staggered until a ham-sized fist forced him to sit on a nearby bench. Uh-oh, Grigori's angry eyes had zeroed in on a purpling bruise, not good. Who did that to you? Grigori clenched his fists. The sight offended him. Sarn righted his hood, so it covered the bruise in question and stood up. Indentured men had no rights. So what if a bunch of fools had jumped him? Complications made it better for all if Sarn kept his mouth shut. Besides, the incident had happened fifteen hours ago, and had no bearing on the ranger now glaring holes in his back. Maybe Grigori cared. What a frightening thought. Who hit you? Grigori demanded. Can't have the Lord of the Mountain's property damaged, oh no. Sarn swallowed the truth before it could pop out of his mouth. The truth had a nasty habit of doing that because his magic didn't allow him to lie. But his situation was far better than most, so Sarn kept his mouth shut. He was managing just fine without interference, thank you very much. Still, he had to give the loud something, any explanation would do as long as it was true. Grigori snapped his sausage fingers in front of Sarn's face, dragging him back to the problem at hand. Pay attention, boy. I asked you a question, and you're supposed to answer it, not stand there like a fool wool gathering. Grigori hardened his glare. Sarn couldn't slip out of this one. Damn. He had to say something, preferably something that wasn't too damning, but nothing sprang to mind except the truth. Sarn studied the carvings under his boots. A long-vanished race had chiseled a seething mass of insects into the rock, but they didn't offer any answers. The wind tugged his green ankle-length cloak again, pulling Sarn toward the balustrade in the distant forest, and he walked toward that sweeping view while searching for something to say. He suppressed a shudder as he approached the decorative railing. From the other side of the meadow, the enchanted forest watched Sarn. A voice whispered the same five syllables as before, Imamaya Raider. Was it a warning? Jump urged his magic sounding all too real as it repeated that word. Jump. 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 Why? Sarn asked. Why do you want me to jump? But once thought, the idea wouldn't go away. Why not jump for it? Sarn set his hands on the waist-high balustrade. All he had to do was throw his legs over the side and let go. Why not jump? The ground was far away, but he was standing on the side of a mountain, and the balcony on the level below this one wasn't far at all, perhaps forty feet at the most. Why shouldn't he jump? Down was where he needed to go. Sarn felt the invisible pull of his master for the night, Nolo. He must go to him. Jump. We'll catch you if you fall, his magic whispered in his ear. 
Yes, it would do that. It always had in the past. The temptation was almost too much to bear. Sarn leaned out over the railing, craving that moment of total freedom in the fall, but it never came. Grigori seized his arm and yanked Sarn away from the balustrade, in temptation. What the hell is wrong with you? First you go all silent and brooding on me like a recalcitrant child, then you spout nonsense, and for fate's sake, are you trying to fall? Grigori spun Sarn around to face him. The ranger was red-faced and screaming now. Maybe I should have let you crack your foolish head open. The fall might have knocked some sense into you because nothing else has. Grigori paused for breath and shook his head. His anger had abated as suddenly as it had come on. I'll only ask this once more. What the hell is going on with you? His dark eyes bored into Sarn, leaving nowhere to hide. But Grigori had asked a valid question. Unfortunately, it was the one question Sarn couldn't answer truthfully, or he'd lose custody of his son. Which left Sarn with a dilemma, because he had to say something. Grigori couldn't let this go. It had gone too far now. The wind died, and so too did the strange spell that had overtaken Sarn. He no longer felt like jumping. Sarn turned away from the hard eyes boring into him. What the hell had he just been thinking? Now that he was free of his magic's mad mutterings, Sarn stood there dazed, confused, and unable to form a reply. What could he say that Grigori would believe, let alone understand? Nothing, because the big lug didn't share his body with the power that wanted him to use it as often as possible. Grigori took his silence the wrong way, as usual. Look kid. I'm not a kid anymore. Sarn folded his arms over his chest until Grigori seized his shoulder and shook him. You can tell me what's going on or you can tell Jerlo, but you're telling someone. Do you hear me boy? The fortyish bruiser looked ready to plant himself in front of something in need of guarding. But nothing on the balcony required such protection. I turned twenty last November. I'm not a child. Sarn clenched his hands into tight fists. Then don't act like one. Grigori shook him one last time to make his point. Sarn rolled his glowing eyes skyward. But there was no help from that quarter, just the first stars of the night. A unicorn statue with a broken horn gave him the stink eye as Grigori spun on his heel and headed for the arch, marking the entrance to the arcade that ran along the balcony. Even the statuary had an opinion tonight. Bind your eyes so you don't cause a panic, and let's go. They're looking for you. Grigori fished a blindfold out of his pocket and thrust it at him. Sarn took it with nerveless fingers. Who's looking for me? Don't be an idiot. You know who. Grigori looked to the sky for patience, but it didn't seem to help him. When Sarn continued to stand there, the big ranger grabbed the blindfold and covered his eyes with it. After that humiliating experience, his muscular hand landed on Sarn's arm again. He doesn't trust me to follow him. He acts like I have a choice in the matter. Sarn seethed but he kept his thoughts to himself. Tonight was off to a fine start and Sarn hadn't even started work yet. He suppressed a sigh of frustration. Things could only get worse from here. Grigori's heavy boots beat a metronome of doom as he towed Sarn toward the trouble his magic had sensed. Grigori was a man on a mission. Sarn wished he wasn't part of that mission, but he was, 
so he plodded along next to the ranger when traffic allowed, and tried not to step on his heels when it didn't. All the while Grigori maintained his death grip on him. Sarn felt like a rag doll as the big lug dragged him through the evening crowd. Everyone headed somewhere tonight. Let go of me, Sarn said for the fifth time since they'd left the balcony. I'll follow you on my own. If his magic complied. It was a sullen green star parked in front of his eyes. His magic extruded green rays and poked at the blindfold, cutting it off from the world. Sarn tried to ignore it, but it was hard to ignore all that green light right in front of his face. With the blindfold on, it had no choice but to shine back into him through his eyes, and that wasn't a pleasant feeling. Heat felt like it was building up under the blindfold, and it might be. A strong enough light could heat an object. Could the light his magic produced cook his eyes in their sockets? His magic stopped testing the blindfold, but it didn't answer his question. Maybe he should stop thinking about such things and hurry Grigori along. Just keep walking, Grigori said finally, startling Sarn out of his thoughts. He'd forgotten he'd even asked the man a question. But Grigori was still angry at Sarn for not answering his questions. He tightened his grip on Sarn and increased his already relentless pace, but Sarn had no trouble matching it, since he was two inches taller than big, brawny Grigori, who plowed through the crowd as if he had every right to. But people didn't get out of Grigori's way. Didn't they sense the man's restrained fury? It was dying to break free, and Sarn was its target since he'd pissed the ranger off. Too bad Grigori didn't have any magic to part the crowd. Sarn did, but his magic had no interest in the people in their way. Its sole focus right now was the blindfold. His magic hated confinement, but it was all too happy to dwell within him if it could look out at the world around him. Stop that, Sarn muttered under his breath as his magic stabbed the blindfold with another green ray. Stop what? Grigori probably hadn't meant to swing Sarn into a hapless passerby. But the poor sap collided with him anyway, striking Sarn right in the chest with something hard, possibly the poor guy's head. Watch where you're going you big, oh, the irate fellow broke off when he saw the blindfold. He stepped aside. Sorry about that, I didn't see you. Otherwise, I'd have steered the kid around you, Grigori said to the man as he dragged Sarn away. The rangers never used his name in public if they could avoid it. Hence the whole kid thing. Sarn knew he should let it go, but he just couldn't. At fifteen it was fine, but he was a man now. I'm not a kid. You're whatever I say you are. Now let's go. We've got somewhere to be, and for fate's sake, try not to run into anything or anyone else. How can I do that when I can't see a bloody thing? But that wasn't true. Sarn had other ways of seeing. They just weren't working because his magic had quit paying attention to anything except the blindfold. Will you stop poking it and help me? Sarn directed that thought at his magic as something caught his foot. He fell forward but Grigori yanked him backward and he didn't fall flat on his face. What is wrong with you? Grigori leaned in close for a face-to-face -face chat. His breath reeked of onions. Can't you walk five feet without falling? This isn't the first time you've come through here. Use your mind for something. Grigori tapped the spot between Sarn's eyes with a thick finger, then set off at a brisk pace. But he was right. 
Sarn had an extra set of senses thanks to his magic, and Grigori had just told him to use them. If only it were that easy. Sarn squelched the part of his mind that counted the number of times he'd taken this crowded corridor. He didn't need to know. I'm trying. Don't try. Just do it. Because time was running out. Grigori didn't have to say it. Sarn felt time sliding away from him as he stumbled again over something in his path. But he didn't know what he was hurrying toward. Hurry, hurry. No time to tarry. No time to talk. Hurry, hurry, time seemed to say. Though Sarn was probably imagining that to explain the terrible urgency that had gripped him. Time beat a metronome on his skull, counting down the seconds until the bells of Mount Eridron would speak the hour, declaring him late. But I'm never late, a small voice whispered inside Sarn. Belatedly, he realized it was his voice shrinking in fear at the very notion. No, don't ring. Don't ring. Sarn broke into a run and pulled a spluttering Grigori in his wake. Somehow, that burly ranger avoided running into people. What the devil's gotten into you, boy? Grigori must have clipped a passing woman because she shouted curses at him. Not good, not good at all, but Sarn couldn't slow down. Time wasn't on his side. If only he could clear a path through this crowd. The thought summoned his magic, and it pushed out of him as he ran, encasing Sarn in a bubble of green light only he could see. As that luminous bubble swelled, it pushed the people he was hurtling toward aside. Sarn could see them now. A sea of amber people icons parted on the map unfolding inside his mind. If they ever discovered what he was, they'd kill him. But Sarn ignored that for now. If his glowing green eyes stayed covered, his secret was safe, and so was he. A bell tolled twenty times startling Sarn out of his reverie, and he tripped over something, a dropped parcel maybe, as his head map vanished suddenly, leaving just the usual glow of his magic behind. No no no, I'm never late. Sarn shook his head to negate that, as the echoes of those bells faded away. Sure he'd come close many times, but Sarn had never been late. Not that he could remember anyway, but his memory was full of holes. There's a first time for everything, kid. Grigori squeezed the arm he was still holding. His hand was long enough to encircle Sarn's wrist like a fleshy manacle. Now put it away before it shines through the blindfold. Grigori meant his magic, of course. All the rangers avoided using that dreaded M-word whenever Sarn was within earshot. But I'm never late. I can't be. My magic doesn't allow it, Sarn protested. Don't say it. Don't say that word. Grigori shook his arm in case his words hadn't gotten through. Keep walking. Nolo's waiting for you. Grigori took the lead as the crowd filled the corridor again. But, Sarn felt like a fool for repeating the same thing. Lateness was a whipping offense, and the promises he'd sworn would punish him for disobeying a direct order. But they weren't. Did being in Grigori's custody count as on time? To his magic, which enforced his oath to serve the rangers, it must because that oath lay quietly inside him. Am I on time? I'm with you, and you're a ranger. How should I know? I'm just supposed to fetch you, Grigori said as they shuffled forward only to stop because the crowd had. That wasn't encouraging. Make way. Rangers on an errand. That's right.
Make a hole. We've got important business to attend to. People must have stepped aside at Grigori's request because the barrel-chested ranger strode toward his goal, pulling Sarn along in his wake, hopefully not toward a whipping. If that muscle-bound ranger vouched for him, then maybe he'd get away with just a warning. Sarn chewed the inside of his cheek as he considered his chances of that happening. Given the man's current attitude, Grigori probably wouldn't vouch for him. Damn. Sarn picked up the pace. They needed a faster route, and his head map usually had one. Sarn yanked it into view, and his map routed him around the statues directly in front of him. Thanks for that. Sarn sent that thought to his magic. But it didn't reply, it was too busy probing the blindfold for a way out, until a snatch of conversation caught its attention. They're moving around, a man said in awe, but he wasn't Grigori. Who's moving around? Sarn turned toward the voice. It was an amber man-shaped icon on his map, but Grigori dragged him away. They're not letting anyone through, another man said as they passed him. He sounded deeply concerned and a little scared, but scared of what? It just isn't natural, another passerby added in that what-are-you-going-to-do tone everyone adopted when something weird happened. Sarn almost stopped in his tracks again. His magic had made a similar claim right before Grigori had shown up. But Grigori just kept cutting through the crowd, putting his height to excellent use, and Sarn had no choice but to follow. They were both well over six feet tall, and their long strides soon left the crowd far behind. But those snatches of conversation stayed with Sarn as he veered around another statue, his magic helpfully pointed out on his head map. What exactly had he overheard? Enough to prove what he'd sensed earlier wasn't a fluke. Something was going on, and the rangers must be hip-deep in it. No wonder Grigori was so short with him. What were they talking about? Sarn asked. Perhaps he could goad Grigori into talking. That muscular ranger couldn't stay silent for long. Grigori would burst if he didn't talk to someone. Never you mind, Grigori said. The ground vanished under Sarn's feet, but he'd expected that. Thank fate for his head map. Without it, Sarn would have tumbled down into the bowels of the mountain, instead of stepping lightly onto the first itty-bitty step. Sarn touched the wall enclosing the staircase to steady himself because there was no railing. Information kept pouring into his skull. It boiled over onto his map and updated it while Sarn reeled from the sudden deluge. Stop that. I don't care if you found an interesting freeze to investigate. Show me the damned steps so I don't fall, Sarn whispered to his magic. He didn't care if Grigori heard him. His head was too full of information. Sarn couldn't focus on anything else. He needed to concentrate. These steps were smaller than his feet. One misstep could send Sarn hurtling down into the bowels of the mountain if he wasn't careful, especially since he couldn't see them. His map wasn't helping either. It careened wildly as each additional detail appeared on it. Sarn had caged his magic for too long. It spread through the stairwell until a familiar archer icon appeared below, promising answers, which Sarn probably wouldn't get because the rangers never told him anything unless they had to. Maybe they'd have to tonight. It felt different from other nights and more sinister, but Sarn might have imagined that because he wanted things to change. Then there was no more time for such wool gathering. 
His magic focused on the staircase, and Sarn rushed down them to the next landing, taking them three at a time before his magic looked at something else. Sarn had a feeling nothing good awaited him as Grigori fiddled with the catch to a secret door, but Sarn couldn't turn back now. He'd given his word five summers ago, and there was no taking it back. A promise was a promise, and never mind the consequences. His knights belonged to the rangers. He must do whatever they told him to do. But Sarn had an awful feeling about tonight that he just couldn't shake, as the mechanism that operated the secret door made a grinding sound. Just when the echoes of metal rubbing on metal became unbearable, they stopped. Fresh air flowed into the dank stairwell laden with pollen and a hint of something darker, lending the night an ominous tone. Sarn hoped he'd imagined that as a hand landed on his shoulder and pushed. But he didn't think so. The night felt wrong in some undefinable way. Well, that was Cursebreaker Enchanted, the first two chapters, plus the part one description. What do you think? That was read by a synthetic or an AI voice. This voice is Mike by Google, as I said earlier. If you liked this, you can get a copy of Cursebreaker Enchanted narrated by this AI for free from Google Play, Kobo, my website. It's also on Drive Through Fiction. I'll have a link in the description or the show notes wherever you're listening to this so you can grab that or you can go over to youtube and watch it on my youtube channel it's there as well tried to put it everywhere to make it accessible because it's a big part of why i got into doing this ai audio but some people don't like ai so i am narrating it myself as well and that's a big part of what i'm doing on this podcast but also of other things that i want to do on this podcast i want to talk to other fantasy authors about their books fantasy things in general lord of the rings maybe some dnd i don't know as much about dnd but there's a lot of crossover with lord of the rings so maybe that'll make its way on here too um maybe with some special guests who know a lot more about that than i do so that's all things that I'd like to do in the future, as well as read more books to you, because I like doing that. That's fun. The editing is not as fun. So hopefully this new microphone and the placement that I tried this time, hopefully all that will work together and that this audio will be better than the other ones have been. That's my quest. Try and get the best audio possible for you all. That's it for today. This is already a pretty long episode because we had the AI narration in between. And as I said earlier, I will always mark everything so that you know if there's any AI narration and it'll always be bookended by me talking in the introduction and also at the end of it. So I will always mark everything as clearly as possible. So you know what is human, what is me and what is not. Well, the AI is very clearly not me in this one. It's a male voice and I'm not male. So that's it for today. And I'll see you back in a couple of days where I will read chapter 11 of Chris Breaker Enchanted. Have a great day or night, depending on where you are. Make sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And if there's a way to like it or, you know, all the things, share it with your friends, let people know. Have a good one.